The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. All right, man, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Man, pretty, pretty good. Super, super stoked. We're finally on video. We've got awesome lighting going on on all corners. We've got this super banging like background thing. So I'm really excited about diving into episode three uh, of Story World. And uh, man, I'm pumped. So we're going to be talking about our personal stories uh, this time around, right? Like how I got into storytelling, how Alex got into storytelling. I think it's going to be really cool. Yeah, I I agree. It'd be... uh the two minds cl- clash today about uh where you come from in the nonfiction world and getting up kind of in the uh, the business side of things and me of course and deep into fantasy and all the fictional side of everything so it'll be yeah, interesting think- to see where we came together and now we're discussing it all as one yeah yeah absolutely because that's kind of like the you know we're still sort of in the, in the beginning phases in this podcast setting it up and um there's going to be a lot to talk about but there's a lot of stories that happened that led to this moment, right? Of actually creating Story World. And so, uh, yeah, I figured it would be cool for everybody to get some depth and some background. Uh, and I shouldn't sound like I'm taking too much credit. It was Alex's idea to go into our backgrounds like this. And so I thought it was a great idea. So, well, give uh, credit where credit is due. So, appreciate it. I will. Yes, I will. I'll just <laughs> try to do that. And feel free to steal credit from me at any time. Cause I, I was telling a, I was telling a buddy the other day, you know, being a business owner, he said, you know, good work. And I said, well, look, you're the one who gets the the blame when things go wrong. So you're also the one who gets the credit. And he said, uh, well, you can have all the credit then too. <laughs> so yep, you can have the blame and the credit. I don't want it. Uh, anyway, so, uh, so cool. So did you want me to go first? Did you want to go first? How you yeah. Why don't, you, why don't you take it off? I'm kind of interested to hear the story of Shram. <laughs> the story of Shran. That sounds so much more epic than I promise it will. Well. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, hey, at least you're giving me a chance. So, um, so, so I was I was thinking about the best way to to really start off with this. And ironically, I think it's a uh, almost a a full circle thing because I've been reflecting lately based on a book I read. So I've never been much. Now I realize we're on it, you know the Story World podcast, and funny enough. I've never been much for reading like biographies and even autobiographies uh, about people. Um, and uh, I don't know, I've just never really done that. And I just got done finishing a book that it's not an autobiography, but in a sense uh, it is. I mean, it's, it's at least an autobiography about uh, this guy's professional life. And what it is, the book is called The Ride of a Lifetime. Um, and it's by Bob Iger. And he was the CEO of... Uh, Disney World for the past 15 years or so. And part of their story is he actually started with ABC like 45 or so years ago, 
because I think he retired in like 2021 or or late 2020 or, or early 2021, one of those. Um, and so at that point, it had been like 45 years that he had worked for ABC. And then, of course, Disney bought ABC in, uh, I think it was the early 90s or maybe the late 80s one. I don't know. Regardless, he had been with them for quite some time, started out very low on the totem pole, and then moved up the ranks. And it was really interesting because what I learned is that he had, I, I just didn't know how influential, because when they were bought, um, when they were acquired, he was like, you know, Bob Iger was like a really high up at ABC. And when the Disney acquisition happened, he was basically the um, third head, right? I mean, the third in command of the entire company. And then he moved into the COO position pretty quick. And then uh, eventually in 2005, uh, was it 2005? I think it was 2005. Uh, maybe it was 2000. Maybe it was around 2000. He was given the um, uh, the CEO position and and then held that, of course, through his, his retirement. And what I realized was that those super formative years of my life. So we used to go to Disney. My mom would take me to Disney almost every year. Huge part of my childhood. Of course, I was born in 89. So I grew up with all, you know, I mean, come on, the Lion King, you know what I'm saying? Like all that kind of stuff. Growing up was was my bread and butter. I loved, you know what, the little mermaid, just all the things, right? All the good stories. And I, I you gotta love a good Disney princess, even if you are a dude. So um, absolutely are you a man you if you don't uh no i don't think you are so that solves that um right but but i it was it was really interesting because i honestly uh I've, i will talk about this in, in the next episode but i have you know a bit of a, a, a disney fetish i guess you could say I, just, I just love disney and so i bought the book thinking oh cool like i love disney as a company so i'm gonna get to like learn a lot of their principles and stuff and while that was cool I honestly didn't expect the book to be as story driven as it was. And what I was kind of finding out was all these mind blown moments because I was reading the story of this guy who was basically responsible for coming up with like even some of the original ideas or at least being extremely involved with many of the shows and movies and everything that I grew up with. I mean, we talked about some of the Disney stuff, but even like, the show who wants to be a millionaire at the game show, like 2000, 2001, like that, that came right. Like that was under his direction that that came to be. And I like, right. So it's like, man, my childhood, it feels like was almost formed by this guy. And here I'm reading his, his stories. And so what, well, what does that have to do with me? Well, I mean, it has a lot to do with me because I realized throughout that when he was talking about just all the movies and shows and everything, uh, there's even a name for it that this time of uh, of of uh, that era of Disney, where Michael Eisner was the CEO, and then uh, Frank Wells for the first little bit was the COO, and then eventually Bob Iger moved in about midway through the '90s as the COO. Um, throughout that time period, is known as I think they call it like the golden age of of Disney or something like that, where there were all of these great. You know, these things that people your age and my age cling on to, these great movies, TV shows and everything, they all happened like during that era. And so there's, it's like, right, like it's even, it's, it's named. And so what I realized is that I literally grew up during the prime of Disney storytelling. 
which like, if you think about that, that's really just insane. Not to mention if you factor in that Pixar came along with Toy yeah. Story yeah. at 1990, in 1993, and then there was a, a partnership with Disney and Pixar, and then that fell apart. And then, and then what happened later is uh, uh, Disney actually bought Pixar and it became Disney Pixar. Uh, and so, I mean, I was, I was, I remember all of that, but like there was this golden age of storytelling that was going on. And I think that made a huge impact in my life, you know, honestly, as, as it relates to the idea of story. And I never, I never really put all the pieces together until literally, I mean, I just finished the book earlier this week and I know it took me a couple of days to, to read it because, you know, I was listening to it and whatever, but like it, it, it was just really eye opening for me, how big of an impact that made. And then of course, you know, it'd be hard to, you know, to deny growing up in church, you know, with Bible stories and, um, you know, a Sunday school lesson every day uh, or every uh, every Sunday, of course. And then, you know, growing up in a Christian school like I went to, we had a, you know, 30 to 45 minute Bible class every morning that opens opens it up. And I mean, this is that may sound like oh, a big whoop, but they don't really get that in public school like there's not really that i mean there there might be a time you know later i'm sure during your formative years it's like a storybook time or something like that but i mean you don't get like a a a, a full like 45 minute lesson devoted to you know like these these timeless biblical stories um every day you know every day like you do in a christian school and so i think that was a really big part of 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 you know, an introduction to, to story for me um, as I was growing, as I was growing up. And so it's always been, you know, in the, in the background of, of my life, both fiction and nonfiction stories. Uh, do you remember Alex, those old book fairs? I don't know if you growing up, if you ever had any of those book fairs in school, I, you I went to. I think they might be still around too. A whole bunch of them. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember seeing them. I, I don't think my school actually did them. I remember going to other people's schools, like for a basketball game or something, thinking, what the, what are, what's all this here? here? Yeah. <laughs> Pardon me. Yeah. Um, yeah. We totally had, right. Yeah. We had a lot of those. We had these book fairs and things. And so I just, I remember story being a, a big part of my, of my childhood. And then, um, video games i mean you name it right it's this is my my entire life is just a testament to the fact that actually every every time you turn the corner boom like there's there's a story um yep. some of the some of the stories like video games i played like conquer's bad fur day uh and any ogs that remember that no that was not a good storyline uh but <laughs> there it was uh it was a very much rated r storyline i should have never um uh, played it if the age i did <laughs> But I did, right? And so, um, right, even down to all the video games and everything, like you're you're literally just being infected by story everywhere that you that you turn. That, that was no different, you know, with with me. And then, and then, um, um, last, you know, last uh, time that we talked, we 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 went down a little bit in the road of the the music career that I had. So I'm not going to like rehash all of that, but. I was a professional musician for, um, I mean, for sure about six years. You could argue a couple a couple years longer than that if you count the studio work that I did before I before I was a touring musician. But especially that time, well, number one, music in itself is very it's is is just storytelling. So just being around that and getting the chance to write some songs as well, uh, 
you know, there, there's that aspect to it, but also being on the road and hearing, you know, the guys that I got to travel with, like I was saying in the, in the previous episodes, like, um, it was, it was like story time all the time. They had been, by the time I joined up with them, they had been on the road for around 60 years. And you can imagine the stories of 60 years of traveling around the country, playing at different churches and stuff. And, and so there's, their ministry was a very story driven ministry. I even made the point that at their funerals, you know, part of, part of the interesting thing about their funerals was that their stories were being, you know, retold. And it was like, it, it just, it kept dawning on me as it was happening. Like, what an impact that these people had had. And it was through story. Like, it's not like we just played the next song, played the next song, said a few words, then played the next song. It's like every song had a story attached to it. And then now these, not just the songs, but the stories are living beyond them as the writers. They yeah. wrote over 400 songs. Each one has a story. And so, you know, you see, so the, again, the world is just being infected more and more by, uh, by story. And, and, and so as a, as a musician working in the studio, uh, a lot of what we did was some creative work for bands that would come in. And so we did website work for them. And I wasn't at the time much of a website designer or anything like that. I wasn't into, you know, back then you didn't have tools like you have today to make it a little bit easier. You know, you had to be into actually coding and graphic design. You actually had to have really big skill sets in those things in order to be successful at it back in the day. And uh, my buddy was doing it, and I was very much like, yeah, I don't want any part of that. How about I just handle the words? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm good with grammar. You know, my mom's been a secretary for 15, 20 years. You know, I'm pretty good with words. And uh, so I decided, here we go again. To, to do the writing and a lot of that again because these were these were bands a lot of it was their stories they would write out like a bullet point of their bio for each of the band members and also the history of the band or whatever and my job would be to go in there and actually make it a a compelling biography of, of the band and also compelling biographies of the band members and so um that's sort of where my my love and passion for writing uh, really started to really started to surface. Um, I didn't know how much I was into writing and how 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 right how much I would enjoy it until I started doing that. And and once I got to that point, it really made a a big a big difference. So I guess you know to keep it going, fast forward a few years, and it was about 2015. I had started working during the week. At a uh, at a law firm, and I was doing I was the runner. I was their courier, so I would basically run errands and pick up documents, deliver documents, whatever. And um, and I started in 2015, and then or late 2014, I think it was, or maybe it was no, it was early 2014. It was February 2014, and then by 2015, uh, they moved me. They realized I had a, a both a passion and a proficiency for technology. And so they moved me into IT and they asked me to learn how to do SEO. Now, I never had anything to do with this in the past. I didn't even know what it was. And so I did my research and I found out that SEO stood for search engine optimization. And they really wanted to, to learn how to get into that. And so I started learning about search engine optimization. 
And that was really my first foray into marketing. Um, I had always had a passion for sales and for business because my mentor um, was uh, kind of like my dad. One of the Easter brothers that I played with, um, it was his son, Russell Jr. It was like a dad to me. And um, his son is Jared, my, my best friend. And it's just interesting. Um, so Russell Jr. was a really good businessman, uh, businessman a really good salesman. And um, just uh, really gave me that passion for uh, for business itself. But the marketing angle of the, oh, well, plus there was Shark Tank. Um, there's <laughs> there, right. I mean, when, when they introduced uh, Shark Tank, it was like, okay, it's this is cool. This is pretty cool stuff. I like what they're doing here. Um, and, uh, and that's part of what made entrepreneurship cool. Uh, again, you know, and, and entrepreneurship is cool now. It used to not be. And, is that uh, the I format think, that you conduct your interviews with? Is a Shark Tank format? You uh, sit uh, no. at the top of a stage and look down on people. I should. I should start doing that. We'll see how that goes next time. <laughs> uh, as of right now, no, that is not how okay. it works. And uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and so I, I really did love business, but but I hadn't really gotten into marketing at that point. And so when I started researching MCO, I stumbled across you know people like. Uh, Camille Patel, who's a huge, you know, marketing influence and, and the copy blogger, people like that. And then, then, oh, it just, it was a trickle effect. I got into the online business space. This all happened so quickly, you know, names like Michael Hyatt and then Amy Porterfield. And it quickly got into people like, you know, Russell Brunson and just other online influencers. And what I, what I learned, um, after I got so into SEO and marketing and just and email marketing and just this, the online business world. What I found was that they all, what they all latched onto was storytelling. This was the name of the game. It was all storytelling. It was, it, it almost didn't matter what you had for sale. It almost didn't matter how expensive it was. None of that mattered. The only thing that mattered was, could you tell a compelling enough story that would get people to, to buy? And if you look at, Donald Miller is another great marketing uh, authority. He's got a couple of great books out like Story Brand um, and Business Made Simple, Marketing Made Simple. And he, he, he really goes into the idea of story as a device for, for marketing and for and, and all the great copywriters of days gone by. Gary Halpert, you know, Dan Kennedy, Joe Sugarman, people like this, Frank Kern. You guys are all, they just latch on to story. It's just, it's just all about stories to be compelling as a, as a marketer. And I, I just, you know, I just didn't realize how important, like I wasn't aware of, of how important that story was to humans in terms of making us take action, you know, being persuasive and things like that. Um, and I, I am now, and I'm thankful, thankful for it. And like I said, for a while after getting into that, um, you know, my, my, my wholesale interaction because I'm I don't do as much music anymore. I do play music at church, and uh, me and a buddy of mine are working on a music you know related business. But I don't do much music anymore outside of those things. Um, video games. I, I'm trying to get back into video games now, but I, I'm you know for a while I wasn't Waiting. really doing. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, right? Um, I I wasn't really doing that, and so like. Many of these other avenues of story I've gotten out of, you know, with, with, with the exception of biblical stuff, I've always, you know, I actually got more into, into Bible stuff. And so I'm, I'm even more intrigued about those stories. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, thanks in part actually to Apex, I'm, I'm sort of revisiting the world of fiction now. And um, I, I think I'd even like to write a novel one day. I think that's interesting. And, and I'm just really, you know, because I think marketing is so interesting or, or storytelling is so interesting from the marketing point of view, I really want to learn the, the concept of, of story itself even better so that it's something that I can use and apply in my marketing, but also just in my life. Um, I think I mentioned this the, in, in one of the previous episodes, but like the, the idea as I want to express it is just, if you can learn storytelling, you can be successful. That's the bottom line. If you learn storytelling and you want it to go the fiction route, you can, you can become a screenwriter. You can write novels. You can write, uh, this would kind of blend a little bit, but you could theoretically write songs. You, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's so many things you could do. Well, what if you wanted to go the nonfiction route? Well, you could become a nonfiction author on, on, a, on another subject that you're passionate about. If you learn writing, if you're selling anything, it literally does not matter. I don't care what you're selling. I have seen stories used. I'm not kidding to sell toilet paper before to sell, to sell RV flushable, you know, like dissolvable toilet paper. Okay. Like, <laughs> The possibilities are endless. If you just learn to get good at storytelling, right? And again, you wanted to go that nonfiction route. You know, you could, no matter what you're selling, product, service, tools, whatever. You, if you get good at story, you can do sales and and marketing. And so there is no disadvantage to becoming a better storyteller. You know, even if maybe you don't want to sell something or or, or whatever, maybe you just want to get a good job. I'm telling you, the better story you can write to make your LinkedIn profile more appealing, to make your resume more appealing, just whatever. People get sucked into stories. They work on all humans. And so- Just to uh, insert something there about job interviews, one of the most common questions, and it usually is several times, will say, tell me a situation or tell me a story when you did this or when this happened. Uh, and I mean, in an interview, half of it, at least a, at least a good interviewer will ask you and just let you talk about a situation that happened just learning how to tell a story and whether it's something simple it's a good you know, point you know, yeah anyway you brought up interviews and that just kind of came no that that's a really good point it's been a long time since i since i interviewed for a job because the, the last real job i had was the law firm job and that that's actually a story in itself i just i sort of fell into that job didn't even have an interview really and then before that um i guess would have been when i went to best buy so I probably interviewed for Best Buy in like summer of 2008, something like that. And um, that was probably the last time I was in a job interview. But I do seem to remember them them asking me to tell them a story about about customer interactions that I had had before uh, in, in different settings and, and things like that. So yeah, you're, you're totally right. So um, you know, really, that that's sort of the end of my story in the sense of that that's where we are right now as it relates to my journey of, of understanding story from the fiction world and then moving more into the nonfiction world. And then now that now that my business is doing a lot better and I'm, I'm actually applying story quite well in my own life from the marketing perspective, now I'm, my time is freeing up at least a little bit on some things. And so now I'm trying to go back, to swing back a little bit more into fiction and video games and things. So I'm really interested to see where sort of the future, uh, what the future holds for me. Uh, on, on that side of things. That's interesting that uh, you're kind of trying to get to a little bit more of the fiction side because it. Um, I've kind of gone the opposite route 
is I've kind of decided to just get go all in on the fiction side of things. Now, that also is because I, I want to write fiction and do it well. And so I guess that maximizes my, you know, right. understanding. And so I guess there's an aspect to it there. But so um, I remember the first movie I saw growing up in theater was uh, Toy Story. And of course, now, not not putting these other movies down, but like Lion King was great and all that. But it was also the you know, the, the older format of uh, of cartoons. And so, being I guess that came out in ninety five or ninety six, so I was three or four years old. And I, it was ninety three, I believe. Story, Toy Story, I think was it ninety three. Maybe it was an it was old like, ninety three or ninety five. I was born in ninety two. It could have been an old dollar theater that my mom took me to, and they were rerunning it. That's probably what happened. But I remember sitting there and just just being totally blown away by it. So similar situations with seeing those older cartoons. Um, I'd have to say, though, my favorite Disney movie is probably uh, for the cartoon side of things is uh, Beauty and the Beast. Um, it's just what a what a great it's movie. A I actually just watched that with uh, with Brooke and Evie the other day. And uh, oh, it's just such a good story. It's it's just good all around. Tale is old as time. Yeah, tale is old as time. Yeah, it's uh, it's got a. I think one of the reasons too why I gravitate towards it is it has a very. Uh, I guess they all do, but for some reason, something about that one has a real like fantastic fantasy, you know, feel about it. Um, I don't know, but yeah, that's a that's a good one. Well, good. That's a good story on yeah, Steve sure. and, and a little bit about you. Yeah, man. Um, I, yeah, it's it's interesting. I you know I've had to do a lot more like self-reflection throughout this process that I realized I even would. And it's been helpful. You know, it's, it's been, it's been really interesting to see how all the threads tie together. So I'm interested to hear Alex's. Yeah. Story. Yeah. It's, so you know? I'll probably go all over the place here. Um, it's funny. So uh, the first thing that I always think of, of how I got into really enjoying stories um aside from when i was like two three year old watching uh, cartoons and everything is usually the hobbit lord of the rings but then i remembered that no i think the first thing that i really fell in love with i'm not, it's funny because i'm not a diehard fan today but as a kid was awesome was star wars um because uh, when were those movies released late 70s early 80s i think yeah yeah, yeah, this was. I'm glad you brought this up because it was going to get honorable mention in my uh, in my, uh, in my stories, and I, I I didn't know where to work it in. So I'm glad you brought Star Wars. It's uh, it's funny because I actually um, I don't think that it's had a um, significant effect really on my thoughts on what what I write and what I enjoy. But I just remember as a kid getting the Star Wars toys and watching them over and over and over, and it was just a really cool story to to watch but uh but anyway yeah that was the first thing that came to mind but um i one of the uh i think probably the earliest memory that i have of really something um captivating my attention and putting me into that fantasy world and just taking me away was um the hobbit but more specifically um i must have been seven years old maybe eight so seven eight years old um i don't know what version of it it was but uh my stepfather um bought the hobbit on cassette tape and it was a dramatization of it maybe it was the one that um I mean, you were listening to lord of the rings one but um maybe it was a similar setup to the hobbit one and i remember yeah we'd listen to i don't know maybe 20 30 minutes of it before bedtime every night and just uh laying in bed and listening to it and just being 
blown away with the character voices and what was happening. And um, it just, I, it really just wowed me. And then, of course, because um, I liked it so much, my stepfather would tell me stories from the Cimmerillion. That was definitely too dense of a book for me to read at seven years old. But he told me some cool stories from it and um, just made me love it even more. Um, it, it's funny. I wonder if I would have been born at any other time, if this next part would have been any had a different effect on my life. But when I was nine years old when the first Lord of the Rings movie came out in theaters. So after being introduced to The Hobbit, I'm sure probably he saw that The Lord of the Rings was being made and he thought, well, I got to, you know, get my kids into into The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings to get ready for that. And so nine years old in, you know, a kid's imagination just runs wild. And, um, you know, they, you know, tend to believe everything and just get right into it. Um, and I just remember sitting in the theater and even though it wasn't, you know, three and a half hour long movie, I just remember never wanting it to end. Um, just sitting there and from the very beginning, and even though it's um, a very interesting start and there's some up and downs, it's a very long start to that movie. Um, but I, I loved every bit of it. Um, and, uh, even when the ending came, um, I just, I don't know. I, I don't really know how to describe the feeling that it gave me, but I just knew that that was something that I just loved and it blew me away. I will say that night I actually was kind of afraid to go to bed because the Urukai kind of scared me a little bit because I was only nine. So even though I loved it, I was like, oh, gee, those things were kind of scary. Yeah. And there were some pretty scary, interesting people in the, yeah, in those films. So. I, I know that. Um, you haven't watched the movies yet, um, but uh, get ready for the mouth of Sauron and the final, uh, the final movie. It's uh, quite nasty. Oh, but, I can't uh, write. I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> so um, the, anyway, so that um, really, I don't know. Um, you know, it's obviously a big thing to say that you know that changed the future of my life. I don't know what type of impression that had on me. I just know that from that moment forward, the the number of times I've spent watching especially the first lord of the rings um and then playing the video games that came out and just just learning all about it um i just can't put together all the hours that i've spent um you know in the in middle earth and lord of the rings and so that definitely has had a profound effect on my interest in fiction and the uh, fantasy setting and uh everything like that um so yeah, so those movies came out between nine and eleven, uh, and then throughout that time too, uh, very different um, side of fiction. But uh, that's when the Harry Potter books were also big. I forget exactly what year they came out, but um, when I was that age, they uh, obviously were very popular. Um, and so again, Lord of the Rings was still kind of that uh, number one influence in my life that really. Uh, yeah, really made me want want to, you know, write fiction and, and be a part of the fantasy and get excited about it. But Harry Potter was also exciting too. I think a big part of that is because um, it I grew up like with Harry. I think the last book when he was seventeen years old came out when I was seventeen years old, and I first started reading it when I was around eight, nine, or ten. So I literally kind of grew up with Harry. So the books were naturally kind of adjusted to my age, and it felt like a natural flow in life of you know, following along with what Harry was doing. And so um, those definitely, uh, um, I don't know to what extent they had a huge influence on my life, but they were some of the most enjoyable books that I wrote and was just always excited to read them. Um, 
when I was again around the time of Lord of the Rings, um, my uh, my dad, my birth dad, he uh, it doesn't care for Lord of the Rings too much, but um, one book series that he had always told me about was the uh, Chronicles of Thomas Coven. Have you ever heard of them? No, the Chronicles of Thomas who? Uh, Covenant. Covenant. Nothing. Yeah. Um, so uh, Thomas Covenant, um, it was originally a three-book series. Then he made a second series of three books, and then a third series of four books. So a total of 10 books in the series. Um, the first ones came out in the early 70s or mid-70s. And uh, my dad read them when they first came out and just fell in love with them. So when I was about eight or nine, right around Lord of the Rings time, um, he started telling me stories from the books. He did not um, let me read them yet. They were just very, they're a heavy read. Um, you know, as a kid, I was told, you know, a lot of big words, and that was an understatement. Um, <laughs> yeah. In fact, one of the criticisms of the author is that he um, goes too far into um, his descriptions and everything. But when I was about 10, 10 or 11, I decided to read them. I probably still was a little bit too young to really understand everything. Um, but that right next to Lord of the Rings is probably the most influential books that I read. Um, and I think the reason being is because of how, just how real the story felt. Um, just touching on it, um, a little bit, the main character actually lives in our normal world. Um, and he's a leper. Um, the author actually um, grew up. His parents were missionaries. I might be off a little bit, but um, they lived over in, I want to say India, I'm probably wrong, but another country and where leprosy was still around at that time. Um, and so he understood leprosy a lot. And so his main character was a leper and went into great detail about his life and the stuff he had to go through. And then he gets um, hit by a car, gets um, gets in a coma and then gets transported to what they call the land in this fantasy world. And um, it's just a very, it's one of those books where either you love it, you hate it. And I just, I love it. And one of the most profound things I think that um, my dad said to me quite often as a kid in relation to these books was he would always ask me, um, he'd say, Alex, think how amazing that would be if that were real and we could go there and we could, visit that and see the people there and the creatures and experience the magic that's there and just be able to live that. And it kind of had both a, uh, a kind of a exciting, but also um, sad effect. Cause it, it is a little sad yet these fictional places you can't go and visit. I'll never be able to go and uh, visit the places in middle earth. I'll never be able to go and visit any of these places that are, created in fiction yet the stories are so good and especially how well written they are that it does transport your mind to those and you want them to be real because they do feel real to you and so that was kind of a go ahead yeah well i was just gonna say it's um disney strikes me as an interesting example of a sort of a blending right of that it's like the kind of the point of like disney world is that the lands that they create you can go there you know that's true for, yeah you know yeah. and so that's uh yeah. i remember growing up not to, to you know no, you're come good. into your your story here but there was a, actually a place so i am from south jersey and there is a 
a place down there called Storybook Land. And all of these old, you know, like like nursery rhyme storybooks or, or like like they they made this stuff in a sense come to life in this little in this little park. Um it's like, you know, there's a uh what's a good example? You know, there's there's a a uh you know from the cradle, you know, and the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. There yeah. maybe you know, cra- cradle maybe you know, you know, there's the cradle like swinging from the treetops. You know, yeah. there's that there's the old woman who lives in a shoe, like you can go in her shoe house. I wonder <laughs> if uh if they had multiple parks because there was one, I think it was called Storyland in New Hampshire, and it was the exact same thing. I remember the lady in the shoe, they had a big shoe and they, it was all about storybooks. So I wonder it's if it's the same company or not. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I, 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 I always thing. did. I always did think that was super cool. So yeah, no, it is neat. Yeah, uh, well, I remember uh, too when I was in high school um, playing Lord of the Rings online, and so you make your character and you run around through Middle Earth, and uh, boy, that was that was fun. Just getting as close to being in that world as you can. Um, I definitely see, kind of getting a little off topic, but I definitely see down the road where people wanting to get into virtual reality and if there was a fully fictional creative world that everyone loved not wanting to leave um anyway that's probably another topic for another time that'd be interesting um yeah yeah i was gonna show you this real quick i can yeah because i think i think this stream yard setup here is is pretty cool i think i could just like really easily share like a uh like a browser tab with you uh and like with everybody um and so yeah so you can see it there. So yeah, I was so this is Storybook Land. It's in uh so from nineteen since nineteen fifty-five. And um um yeah, it's like this this cool obviously if you're listening on audio, you're not gonna be able to see this, but uh join us on YouTube and you will be able to check this out. I do not have a uh YouTube channel up as I am speaking these words, but it will but be up will. sooner rather than later. And uh, yeah, so yeah, there it is. Black Horse Pike, Egg Harbor, Egg Harbor Township. This is you know close to where my uh, my aunt and uncle were from. And so, um, Headland Advertising. You know, again, I don't know the company or whatever, but yeah, it looks like they're still they're still going. They're still doing their thing there. Nice. And uh, just introducing, um, yeah, like rides. There's the uh, yeah, out on a limb, bubbles on the coaster. Boy, it's, it's sure, yeah, it's even changed a lot. But yeah, the Jack Shack and the Beat Stop and. The Happy Dragon, Old Timers, I remember those. Um, the Whirly Bug, yeah, JJ Railroad. So anyway, cool, cool, uh, cool stuff. I love, I love when people see this is a blending, right, of some entrepreneur somewhere in in you know nineteen fifty five decided to to blend the two worlds of, of story and the real life, and then you know make in making people think. In terms of story and anyway, so just just a super cool thing. I love seeing innovative ideas like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll uh, yeah, I'll, I'll continue right off. So the um, yeah, the Thomas Cummins books. I've since read them. I read them quite a few times, and every time, um, you know, just getting older and understanding life more and everything, um, I always get something new from it. But uh, both that and Lord of the Rings in just two totally different ways have really shaped. Um, you know, kind of my line of, of fiction and fantasy and, and my enjoyment from them. Um, I'll make a small, small note here. Uh, I, I love video games. Um, I probably at certain points in my life played them too much more than what I probably should have. But um, as a kid, I played them a lot. But when I was 
about 11 or 12. A lot of stuff happened between the ages of 8 and 12 to me. I, I, now, uh, looking back on it. But when I was around 12 years old, um, I rented a game um, from a movie rental store. Uh, don't have those anymore. And uh, Wow, you're yeah, dating yourself. Well, pretty, yeah. pretty good here, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, am I old enough to date myself now? Well, I, I guess, oof, you, I guess I'm right. getting there. Isn't that um, sad? It is. Um, and the game was Final Fantasy X. Have you ever heard of the Final Fantasy games? Oh, yeah. Um, I And so um, it's not the best game ever made, but it is my favorite game that I've ever played. I think it's because I played it at that time where fantasy was becoming, you know, I, I guess real to me. And um, it just um, it just blew me away. The just the the magic of it and um, the fantasticness of it. And of course, the video games are fun to play anyway. A game has to be, you know, fun in order for it to be enjoyable. But the uh, the cast of characters and uh, the story um, and it just it kind of took me to another world, you know, just with um, Lord of the Rings and um, Thomas Covenant. Um, so those were some uh, kind of influential uh, things in my life um, that really, you know, when I was younger, um, those were kind of some some big things for me that kind of influence uh, my interests in life as I, you know, books that I read throughout high school and college and me wanting to write, um, which I'll talk actually a little bit um right now so I, I started to write simple stories when i was seven eight nine years old and they were all basically repeat stories of what my dad told me about thomas covenant and the land or what i heard about lord of the rings and so um which is naturally you know kids write what they hear and um it was awful i know it wasn't but my my dad would always you know really say oh you know that's really great good job um so even if your kids aren't good at something you know when they're that young Tell them how great it is because they might just keep going with it. Um, I wrote um, just several small stuff like that growing up. Um, nothing, you know, big. I was just so, so young. But then when I got into about junior high level, I really started to want to, you know, just develop more and, and write more. And so I really spent a lot of time dedicated to building my own world. And we'll talk another time about digging into writing process and everything but so i spent a lot of time building this world and a story i wanted to tell with it and um the world has continued to grow and i actually still um very much write it and want to write books in it um but the first few books i wrote obviously just were not very good i was young and just learning to write um but i kept getting better and better at it um uh, i actually um, sad to say, I've actually never finished writing a book. I have always written a good chunk of a book and just stopped, which is a horrible thing to do. And I didn't realize that at the time, um, but I do now. So if you're going to write a book, unless you know it's utter garbage and you really want to go a different direction, just don't finish it. Um, I mean, I mean, finish it. Um, it's good to finish a book and say that you did it. But anyway, oh, one thing that I kind of wasted, I guess, was... Um, I th and I think it was just because um, I have an interest in a variety of things was in college, I really slacked off on my writing a lot. Um, instead of going the route that um, some people do, like for instance, Brandon Sanderson um, decided he did not want a normal job at all. So he went to college for writing. He worked um, the graveyard shift at a hotel and he wrote and wrote and wrote until he got a deal. And then that's what he does now. I took the opposite approach where I didn't know how 
if writing could sustain a family and I really wanted a family and I wanted that security. And so I went the route of getting a career in finance and accounting, which I, I don't regret, but doing that. So took away a lot of time from like creative writing. Like I could have taken creative writing classes that I didn't. And then I also uh, played some sports in college. Um, you know, just, um, like interleague at the college, um, hung out with friends a lot, uh, played video games, read a lot. Um, I did some writing, but I dropped the ball more than what I should have. Um, um, I did read a lot, and that was during the time where I started to really get more into epic fantasy, where I read um, Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time. Um, I actually read halfway through it, and then college got so busy, I put it down. Um, but So I actually have to go back. I have never finished it. And that's going to be a long read when I finally do pick it up again. I don't know if you're familiar with those books, but they're 14 books long. And I guess the average page count is, I don't know, somewhere around 800 pages a book. Um, Are you serious? Oh, my word. I didn't realize that. I do know that there's a new, which this is always a cautious thing, right? But I do know there's a new Amazon series coming out on Prime um, for that. And so I wasn't sure whether or not that was going to be any good or or what. It will... I'll give my opinion on the first episode because that's all I watched. <laughs> um, I actually think that uh, um, it wasn't that good. Um, if you read the books a lot or if you read the books at all, um, it strayed away from the books considerably. And um, yeah, so I, I didn't care for I watched the first episode. I guess maybe I should read more, but they just changed a lot and I did not really enjoy it. So I hope the Lord of the Rings one are a little bit better. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I, I I know some people are like really opinionated about, and I'm gonna say you're this kind of person. Maybe you are, but some people are like, like especially readers. Readers are really like opinionated about like film adaptations. And maybe you're not this way though. Just uh, you know across the board because I remember you and me talking about the Lord of the Rings and you recognizing that yeah there's some things maybe missing or or the order of things maybe changed a little bit in the movies from the books but all in all you like the books and the movies for what they are um well, based we'll on- probably we'll probably have to probably take a podcast uh an episode sometime and actually dig into adaptations of books adaptations. and everything uh, because i'm gonna write another list right now. right now um just um I, if we're okay taking just a couple minute tangent or a minute tangent, like for instance, one of the changes in the Dune movie, um, in the book, um, the doctor is a, um, or not the doctor. I've only read the book once. And so I'm still, sometimes I forget some of the characters. Um, not the doctor, uh, the person in, I think in charge of transitioning them to the planet, uh, was a man. And then in the movie was a female. And, um, uh, I think it worked, well because the character was true to form i think that's kind of the biggest thing is are the characters realistic and do they stay true to what we expect or what we know the characters should be and if they behave the way that they should be then we're okay with pretty much any changes not any but i guess of most of the changes that a movie makes um but yeah the wheel of time ones just made some i'll talk about with you some other time where we can have a podcast on it sometime but uh just made some changes i was not very fond of at all um just getting cool. kind of yeah. to the uh to the end here um so since college and then up to now i guess has been seven years for me six seven years and during that time um well seven eight years ago i got married 
couple years ago, I had a kid and um, it was about four or five years ago. I decided to pick up really writing again um, quite a bit. And I, I ran into a situation where honestly it came down to, I didn't know how to write well. Um, I, I, I just didn't know how to write. Um, and I didn't know what it was at the time. I thought it was just burnout and that I didn't, I knew that you had to develop skill as well, but I just didn't think that I had it. Um, I would feel burnt out after a half hour of writing, couldn't think straight while I was doing it. And, um, and so what I did instead was I decided to take some time to um, look into maybe game development because games can tell very good stories. They're fun to play. The music can really add a lot to it. There's just a lot of good stuff in video games. Um, so I've learned to do a lot of programming, um, a lot of art. I've learned quite a bit of stuff over the last couple of years looking at that. Um, and then I came to, I guess, a crossroads within like a few months ago. So real recently where... I really still wanted to write and it felt like I was missing because it's something I've always wanted to do. And it felt kind of wrong not to, not to do that. Um, and so I, I, I just don't have, didn't have the time for both. And I had to decide what I wanted to do. And so I decided to put away um, to the side video game creating and really pick up the writing full steam. Um, and one thing that has really helped um, real specifically is listening to uh, Brandon Sanderson, um, not just the podcast that he has, Writing Excuses, which is fantastic, but also now he has his lectures on YouTube for um, college and uh, just such a huge wealth of information there. Plus, I do read a lot of fantasy um, and really just trying to pay attention to to how he writes and other authors write. And uh, so I now now my writing has gotten a lot better and i think it's because i've just paid more attention and studied and really tried to learn as best i can the proper way of writing it's not to say that i can't also every author will have their own style of writing and you know should be distinct from others with you know their tone their prose and how they tell a story but there's just certain not rules but just certain ways and methods that to tell a good story and i just didn't know that before and i didn't know how to outline properly and um, now that i have all that not perfected but now that i understand kind of the journey to take with that um it's been it's been going very well um so yeah i think that's kind of a i think that's kind of an overview and i've hit everything uh that's gotten me here i i do want to make just a a couple uh, notes that really help a lot is um, uh, my wife is a very big critic of my of my writing that I send her. She doesn't seem to be impressed with anything I write, which is very helpful. One, she doesn't uh, like uh, like a Lord of the Rings too much and the fiction writing. So whatever I write, she probably naturally won't like. But she does it right. because she wants to help me and make me a better person, a better writer. And so it, it's very helpful to have her on hand because instead of her getting deep into the story and understanding, you know, everything with that she more or less says well that doesn't make sense why would that person say that or why would you word it that way so she's very helpful with that and then also my daughter um Evelette, of course whatever she wants to do in life i'm happy with but i gotta at least try to get her into some of the interests i want so i want to be able to create stories for for her and for her to have a world to enjoy and you know just be able to enjoy that together yeah, that's been yeah, that's fantastic. I totally sympathize 
with actually both of those things. Um, because my, again, my, yeah, my life tends to be the big, one of the biggest critics of my work and it, it, you know, in a good way. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and also for my kids, I see what you're talking about doing with, with stories is, is what I, like one of the reasons I like to write blogs and I like to record podcasts and whatever is because like, I'm thinking, so I lost my dad in 2001. He passed away from uh, complications. He had leukemia, but he passed away uh, because he caught pneumonia while he was in the hospital. You know, your immune system is real weak when you're being treated for stuff like that. And, um, and he and my mom had separated. I mean, we didn't have a super close relationship. So, I mean, it wasn't like losing the guy who lives with you every day and you're doing life together. You know, it wasn't like that, but it was still obviously dad. Um, and, and, and I... Uh, a few years after he died, um, probably seven or eight years after he died, maybe a little less than that. Um, I was looking through like an, an old box of stuff that my stepmom had given me. And there were these uh, journal entries that he wrote on a on a old fashioned. So he was a computer guy. He was a tech nerd. You know, again, this is turn of the turn of the century. So, you know, I mean, he was working for like Arthur Anderson and like these big companies that, uh, anyway, he was doing programming and stuff. And so he was like, you know, he was one of the first people to be writing on what you might call a, you know, a web blog, right? So he was writing on a blog back in the day. And this is one of those kind of journal sites that was up at this time. I mean, there wasn't much more you could do with the internet, you know, back then. Uh, well, I mean, there was, but, you know, regardless, consumers weren't using the internet back then like they are, you know, today. And, um, but I, I had printouts of those shared entries and I, I was able to read them. There wasn't that many of them, but I'm just, so I'm sort of putting my kids in that position and just thinking like, if I had, like, if I could go back right now and watch or listen to my dad on a podcast you know, sharing his insights about whatever, that would be priceless for me. And I can't help but think that the same thing would likely be true of my kids. And so in a sense, what I want to do with my storytelling uh, through the marketing and through the nonfiction, you know, thought leadership type of things that I do, I, I want to I guess, leave that legacy, right? I want to build a body of work that one day when I'm dead and gone, you know, my kids can look back on and read or watch or listen to. I mean, I, I write books and I want to continue writing nonfiction books and even getting into fiction books for this reason as well, because your ideas can outlive you. And, you know, like, you know, we're both Christians. And so obviously I realized there's, there's life after death. There are you know, this, this world is not the, uh, the only thing that is, and, you know, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And again, this isn't an eschatology lesson. Um, but the, you know, the idea being that like what we do on this earth matters, it matters now. And I think to an extent, it even matters for going into the future. And so I, I love the idea of building a body of work, something that can live beyond just the physical time on this earth that you're given. And I think whether you're religious or not, that's a great motivation for writing, whether it be fiction or nonfiction and telling stories and, uh, and interacting that way. Absolutely. So, I, I think that, um, 
we were talking the other day about you kind of touched on it but if, if we're not the first generation for it we're certainly one of the first um where our grandkids you know a thousand years in the future can look back and watch videos of us that they want learn all about us and yeah the first thing about putting our life out here it's um it's unique um like i don't know anything about my great-grandfather i know some things about him but if you go past any further than right. that i don't know anything about you know them and so isn't that um, wild it's uh it's crazy to think that yeah my great-great-grandchildren however far down um can look back and know all they want to about me of whatever information i put out there they can they can learn and know um i wanted to add one more thing that you had mentioned about uh that you would be on the 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 wild and crazy tour bus with the uh with the easter brothers and um be sharing stories well uh um i would say even though um i talked a lot about the fiction side of things but um some of my favorite things was um between well i guess as a teenager mostly going camping with my uncles and um my cousins and my dad and just hearing all the stories of um my dad growing up and my my older brothers and they just it's funny my life hasn't been that interesting but there certainly has been and just so many amazing stories and what's funny is i can recite pretty much all of them but whenever we go on a camping trip or i'm talking to my dad and i remember a particular story you told that i like i'll I'll ask him to tell it again. Like I forgot about it. Um, just to hear him tell it again. Um, and that's, yeah, uh, I, know. I don't know. It's just, it's a funny thing, you know, just listening to people tell stories. It's something that at least for me that I, I really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's funny. You mentioned the wild and crazy. See when you're at Easter, <laughs> you, you get, you get, you, you deal buses, you get, but like, like, you know, one of their, one of the Easter brothers, sons was a bus dealer in bassett virginia stewart virginia area and um um one time they bought a party bus no joke from him and it like seriously had like the pole in the back and the whole nine yards and it was like we used it to take like you know the family on day trips and stuff like that um you know we didn't really use it for overnight trips to gigs but yeah we would use it for day trips and stuff you didn't, you didn't think that uh that was your new instrument for you to play in the band no i didn't oh okay um it, i just i, I just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I, yeah, I totally, I totally dig that, right? Because, like, my, uh, my wife, uh, she's a pastor's kid. And so they, they pastor in, like, you know, whatever. I don't even know, know what it is, five or six different states. And it's so funny. Anytime you're, you're there and you're hanging out with them, inevitably, somebody will start telling a story. And what's really interesting is they all sort of remember little different things about it. And so like, they'll sometimes they'll even get into arguments. Like one sees it this way, another sees it that way. Yeah. And I always point it out. And I used to make fun of it, but it, you know, that, that like, so, uh, they'll tell me the same stories a lot of times. And my wife, I'll be like, I'll, I'll joke around with her and be like, one, two, three, four, okay, six. So, and she knows exactly what I'm saying. Because <laughs> yep. I'm her such a hard time about it. Like, but it's cool though. Like, it, it's, I mean, what do you have if not but stories? I mean, what are what are pictures? You know, pictures, pictures. What? Well, what is a picture better than a thousand words? Is that the old saying? Um, right, because there's a story associated with a picture. That's that's why. So, well, one thing um, that we I know we're at the end here, but one thing I didn't get a chance to get into, just because it doesn't have to do with specifically with my writing, but um, the uh, the influence that music has had on me, um, my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, even though I am not, I've never learned how to play, um. That I learned how to play an instrument or you know i've i've 
you know, tried to study some music. You know, I listen, I've tried to learn stuff on composing and just listening to a variety of music. And it just seems like music just surrounds my life, whatever I'm doing. If I'm not doing something specifically, I'm, I'm listening to music and not just listening to it, but just really getting into it, understanding it. And, um, Music's so we'll probably have several podcasts I would think related to music, but um, yeah, that was another big part of I'm just yeah, I'm sure, very good, cool. Anyway, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. This has been this has been great, and I think it'll be really really cool for people to get an introduction, a deeper introduction into into our individual stories, and uh, so yeah, I think next week we're going to be talking about the uh, uh, our favorite stories. We'll kind of go back and forth a little bit on some of the favorite stories that we have, and so I am super super looking forward to that. So. That'll be fun. Yeah, man. All right, cool. See you then. Yep. See ya.